G'day and welcome to the Hunting Connection Podcast. My name is Zach Williams and I am your host. Here we'll connect you with hunters, fishers and outdoor enthusiasts from around the globe. This podcast will share hunting and fishing stories including past experiences and tackle the tough hunting stereotypes our community faces. We hope to be a positive influence to those outside the community while also having a laugh along the way. Hope you enjoy the podcast. G'day and welcome to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Today we have Brett Meldrum from New South Wales. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Good. What's been going on? How was your day? Uh, pretty busy, mate. Pretty full on. Um, trying to repair all roads and fences and stuff on the farm after all the rain we've been having and hey, it's getting busy. Oh, I bet. It's uh, been a pretty ridiculous spring, that's for sure. It feels like winter again. Oh, it's telling me it's been eight degrees, seven degrees down here. I think we had a topper twelve, maybe thirteen degrees today here. So it's yeah, no, it's a little bit warmer than here, but no, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a weird world at the minute. Oh, it's 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 hectic. But uh, one benefit out of it is uh, the feed for for the antler growth next year. I'm looking forward to seeing what it, yeah, uh, that's right, it brings. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah, especially up your way. You uh, seem to get some pretty gnarly heads up that way. <laughs> There's some good ones about, mate. <laughs> so we'll jump straight into it. Where exactly yeah, are you mate. from? Uh, mate, uh, Bathurst, New South Wales. Bathurst, awesome. Uh, past guest um, and one of my good mates, Cody Giron, he is up there. So beautiful part of the world. Yeah, I chatted him the other day, actually. I saw an um, Instagram story of these going on about Bathurst traffic and I didn't even know he's around here either so we might tee up one day and say good day to each other as well. I definitely do it. He's a he's a funny lad and um yeah he's just an all round good good guy, good hunter, good at morals and ethics. So Yeah. So That'd be good. what do you do for work, mate? I'm a farm manager. Yep. Been so last ten years or so now and um yeah just running a shape station at the minute for the last four years and um, yeah, pretty lucky to live on the property that I work. Amazing. And, um, yeah, good uh, hunting opportunities. How many acres is that where you're working? Uh, 3,600. 3,600? Nice, nice. Decent decent yeah, size. That's... If you flattened it out, it'd be probably triple the size. It's very <laughs> hilly. Yeah, I bet I can imagine seeing uh, some footage and photos from that that area. I imagine it being quite similar to the Adelaide Hills, maybe a little steeper in some bits. Yeah, yeah no, it does look a bit like that. Um, when you go through Port Augusta, is that the Flinders that you go past? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that sort of looks like a bit like that. Yeah, yeah, pretty much greener though out that way. The Flinders tends to be pretty pretty dry. Yeah. <clears throat> Was that your first trip to SA? So you just you just went and did a camel trip with Hainsey. Um So was that your first trip through SA? Yeah, my first time I've ever been there. How'd you find that? How'd you find little old uh, SA? Pretty good. good, man. I love the um, countryside there. And um, they have a desert. It's just somewhere I've always wanted to see, the Nullarbor. Because um, I do a lot of reading about stuff like that. And um, I was very excited to get out there and... Yeah, Hainsey sent out the invite and I took him up on it pretty bloody quick. I wasn't going to mess around and um, no, it was bloody well worth it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I'd, 
I went on my first hunt with Hainsey this year during during the rut and took my first red stag. Um, and that's a hunt that we've been trying to get sorted for the last three three or four years. <laughs> it's hard trying to um, get the times right together, isn't it? Oh, it's it's crazy, especially you know I got a two and a half year old, so like the the first one of the first years. Um, we had a newborn, and yeah, it was just just ridiculous. They had trying to organise organise something, but we got there in the end. He's a he's a very good guy, taking lots of um, people out for new species and first of species, and uh, he certainly is a top fella, mate. Had had you go in the car with him for a, <laughs> for a few hours? Well, I, I listened to your last podcast with him and the boys, and Adam, yeah, I was the same as you guys. Um, I didn't expect that music to be blaring out of the car. <laughs> Mr. Techno Head, eh? That <laughs> uh, was good, but Oh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a laugh, especially when you first get in there and the doof-doof starts and you're like, hang on, hang on a minute. Like, you, you would expect, like, <laughs> full-blown country or something, but no, nah, doof-doof straight out the bat. <laughs> yeah, you get to know someone when you're in a car together for um, 4,500 kilometres, that's for sure. How many hours in the car was that with him there and back? Oh. Um, kit, well, the first drive was um, Adelaide Airport. I got out there about eight, and we drove right through to six the next morning until we got to his brother's house. And we were there for probably an hour, two hours, and straight back in the car until we ended up in the middle of frigging nowhere by dark. <laughs> Jesus. But, um, that, that was the program every day pretty much for four or five days, whatever it was there. Yeah, you have to cover a lot of country chasing those camels down. Yeah, there's not much out there, is there? Nah, nah. That's it's definitely a dream hunt of mine, that's for sure. And I highly recommend doing it, mate. It's um yeah, and the reward at the end of it, the meat, bloody hell, it's bloody nice, isn't it? You oh. had some um, last podcast, didn't you? Yeah, we did. We did. Um Hainsey cooked it up for us and it's it's incredible. It's I I almost have no words for how good it is. Um Josh Bates yeah, from Send It, mate. He was saying it tastes like a like HJ's burgers. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly is nice, but isn't it? I'd love. Wish I could have bought some home, but anyway. Yeah, would have been would have been difficult. You'd have to drive down next time and meet him out there. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that's what'd be happening. Uh, so, how did you get into hunting and fishing? Um, just on my own. I don't come from a hunting family or anything. Oh, my grandfather, he was always a pretty hard fisherman and that, and um, always out in the bush, and I sort of grew up with him. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he influenced me a lot in that aspect and um, had a few mates with rifles when we were younger, but I um, got my first bow. I was 15, a bit younger than 15, I think, and um, yeah, taught myself and um, yeah, just started getting out there as much as I could with my mates' families. And um, just went from there and picked a bow up then, and I haven't put it down since, like 17, 18 years later. That's a, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. You've definitely had some uh, pretty awesome success, especially over the last year. Yeah, I got a bit a bit crazy last year. I went um, all out as hard as I could, and um, it paid off. And that was a very good year uh, this year, yeah, I should say. Yeah, it was a very good year. Done a lot of things this year. I've always wanted to do, and um, for, I'm getting on 37 now, so I better start really ticking these things off the list. No, before the old body says no, because she's had a bit of punishment over my lifetime. So, 
I can imagine. But yeah, you've, you, your rut was looked like it inc- incredible. How many animals did you get down over the rut? Uh, I got two red stags and um, two fallow bucks. Beautiful. And I got a whole lot little eater deer in that. Beautiful. And those aren't just red stags. Those things are freaking monsters, judging by the photos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They are very big deer. Um, I don't like talk about them like that that, that much because they're to me they're just a good deer. And um, yeah, um, the meat off it was incredible. The amount of meat we got, and um, yeah, pretty lucky with genetics down here. But um, no, nah, for the first red stags, uh, they're very good heads. Very happy and proud of them. So they're two deer of a lifetime with a bow. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, I don't know what's going to happen um, next rut. I probably won't ever do that ever again, but you never know. Had had they go eating those those bigger boys? I've I've haven't found a I haven't shot a deer that I haven't been able to eat, especially like full rut, like no issues. Um, I've probably seen maybe one or two deer that mates have shot that have been pretty ruddy, but other than that, I haven't seen seen many issues. Yeah, no, my neighbour, they've eaten pretty much every deer I've shot. And, um, like, they weren't rutty, rutty, like, um, stinking, you know, they're sort of at the start of their roar. And, yeah. like, their, their paunches were empty, their stomachs, like, they, they were starting to kick on. And um, the first one, he was chasing a girl, and the second one was with a girl. And, um, yeah, it didn't really taint the flavour or anything. Um, the second one was just a bit lighter on in condition, but... He still ate just as good because I'm pretty lucky I've got a cool room here. Yeah. I can skin them, quarter them up and hang them for a week to two weeks and um, that really, really does a good job on the meat, like setting it properly and not having that air flowing around it. So, yeah, I've never really had a bad um, bit of meat out of there. So. Do you um, hang them with skin on or skin off? Uh, the red stags I had to skin and quarter up because they're just a pure size of the bodies. Big animals. But, uh, <laughs> Just like if I get a spiker or something or a, um, a red hind, a young one, I'll hang it with the skin on for near two weeks. Yeah, sweet, sweet. Yeah, it's a it's a good method, skin on, I reckon. Um, just stops, oh, is, yeah. stops that bit of uh, meat wastage with the uh, rind that builds up over the meat. Yeah, that's right. So what's your, your main gear set up? So do you have rifles or are you just pro- like just bows? Uh, just bows for hunting, mate. Um, running a Matthews V3X 33 at the minute. Um, that Wayne from the Nango Archery give me. That's a bloody awesome bow to Matthews. I started, I shot Hoyt first. My first proper wheelie bow was a Hoyt. Yeah. And that was back in 2007. That was a Vectrix Plus 80 pound with pretty much no let off whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, wow. I still got that. Um, but actually, I've actually kitted it back up, put new strings. I'm going to do a video with it, actually. But um, so then I shot Athens for a bit. Then I bought a um, Matthews Atlas because I got such a long draw, 31 and a half inch. So I needed a long draw bow. Yeah. And I got talking with Wayne, and um, yeah, he put me onto the V3X because that goes out to 31 and a half, and I've been shooting that ever since. And um, yeah, I've now had some good animals with it. Got me camel with it, uh, buffaloes, heap of pigs. Goats, no, it's a really good bow to Matthew's very happy with it. Yeah, they're they are a beautiful bow, that's for sure. I've um shot a couple and they just yeah, shoot so smooth. 
I'm a PSE man myself, but uh, yeah, if I had to get something else, it'd probably be a Matthews. Yeah, just the the quietness of him as well is just next level. Yeah, super smooth, super quiet, and just yeah, they sh- they shoot so nice and just hold well too. So yeah, they got a pretty solid back wall on them. They're quality bow. What um sight and arrow setup are you running? Uh, the sight is a sword sight. It's an American company. Yeah, it's not so much known in Australia as such, but a um, mate of mine as um Clayton's Outdoors. He's a Aussie distributor for him. Awesome. Um. Yeah, I think he's the only bloke in Australia, actually, that has them. They're just like your slider site. You get single pin, free pin, all the rest of it. they got a heap of different sites. They're pretty good, uh, big in America. Yeah. Um, the Arrows uh, running a nap time, Crucifix 250s. Yeah, beautiful. I, and, I love my nap times. That's that's what I got sitting uh, next to me, some SmackDown. Yeah, ben Edwards knows what he's doing with his Arrows. And um, <laughs> curse my Arrows so long, it's... Uh, 590 grains with a 150 grain tip on it. Yeah, wow. So what's that total? Yeah. What, what's your total arrow weight then? 600. Uh, 590. 590 all up. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I'm run. I'm doing about 580 with my setup yep. with 125 grains. So they they shoot well. They hit hard. So you yeah no. Nah, so you mentioned buffalo there. Did you change up your setting, or you run the same, same setup for? Oh, I did uh, different arrows and uh, micro diameter, same weight, pretty much. Um, 150 grain head still. Yeah. Did the buffalo with, but the bow is exactly the same. 75 pound. The Matthews is as well. Yep. And um, yeah, the yeah, same setup bow that I took uh, free buffalo with and big pig. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Very nice. That's a that's another dream hunt, the old buff. Oh, oh mate, you got to go. Oh, maybe was, the last podcast I was listening to, you went up to the territory. Yes, yes. Um, when I was a young fella, <laughs> yeah, just got got caught up in the party life, man. Just <laughs> I can't blame you. <laughs> so I almost got caught up there the first night I was there. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody Mitchell Street, eh? <laughs> yeah, getcha. So, when you're out, what type of stuff do you carry in your backpack? Um, I always take uh, wet weather gear. We make just mainly just really a jacket, um, first aid kit with a snake bandage in them. Yeah, and um, they're like sutures and all that sort of stuff, antiseptics and stuff, and um, game bags. There may be a shirt and a bit of um, tucker with me, like my knives, um, you know, some food and uh, water. What's your uh, go-to snack while you're out? Um, I've been a bit of a fan of the um, Atlas Wild Bar, to be honest. Yep, very nice. Okay. Uh, chocolate, that's, um, that's always seems to find its way in my pack all the time. Beautiful. Um, what type of knives are you running when you, you go out? Uh, got the Spiker Challenger. Uh, folding knife, the large one. Yeah. And the spike um, ultralight, the scalpel knife. Very nice. How good are scalpel knives? Scalpels with it. How um, do you do most of your skinning with the scalpel or? No, nah, more with the folding knife. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I've... Yeah, I... 
I've got a little Gerber and um, I tend to skin with that quite a bit. It takes a little bit more time, but I find you just get that bit nicer um, of a finish on the skin. Yeah, I prefer the shape of a sort of a fixed blade sort of knife over them scalpel, to be honest. Yeah, I, I prefer the shape too. I just like that that finish that it has. It, it seems to just, yeah, have that bit bit nicer of a finish on there. Yeah, that's right. The scalpels are sort of a backup if I don't have a knife deal with me. When the knife gets blown, I can grab one of them. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Um, what about binos, bino harness? What are you running there? So I've got the Spiker Drover bino harness. And um, binos, I have Bushnell 10x50s. Uh, Bushnell Engage, I think they're called. And running a Bushnell um, range finder. Very nice. Very nice. Bushnell makes some great stuff. I'm running a Bushnell range finder as well. Uh, they're very nice. Yeah, I've been using them, pushing out for yeah, well over a decade now. Yeah, bloody good, good glass. Yeah, very good, very good. Um, what about pack? What are you, what are you running pack wise? That uh, spiker driver forty liter, and um, for backpacking, I've got the eighty liter as well. Nice. How do how do they um they carry good? Yeah, I've had um. The 40 litres when they first came out and, well, I can fit a whole fallow deer on them and I put them through the ringer and yeah, I haven't broken anything on it yet, so I'm bloody stoked with that. Uh, good pack. Beautiful. So you're using the 40 litre for, say, like just day day hunting or you can do an overnight? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's every day. I'll take the 80 litre for an overnight if i got all my um, ultralight hunting gear with me in that. Very nice. Oh, so, what would you be your top beginner tip for someone getting into hunting? Oh, it's uh, archery or just hunting in general? Hunting in general. Uh, go with someone who knows what they're doing. And, yeah, like, don't go with any cowboys or anything. Um, go with someone you know and someone who knows what they're doing. And um, listen. Yep, yep, that's... That's great advice. How would you, because um, it's always, you know, being a hunter, you're constantly getting asked by people to get taken out, whether it's someone that's hunting or someone that wants to learn how to hunt. What would be your top advice for someone who's new to hunting asking to go out with someone? Um, I'll just be straight up and ask. I wouldn't bullshit or beat around the bush or anything. I'd just be straight up what I want to do. um if you know the fella, it's obviously a lot easier, but um, don't be pushy. Yeah. If you don't know as such on a personal level, sort of work into it. Like become a mate first. You, know, you just can't expect someone to, you know, knock around with you for a whole weekend. Yeah, exactly. It's like me and Hainsey. We were talking for months and months and months and months before this camel hunt. Like it wouldn't just happen off the bat, just hit him up. So, I'll t- oh, can you take us? Like, Become a mate with someone first, and then work into that sort of stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. That's uh, that's great advice there. What about top five items for a beginner? What would you suggest? Well, obviously, first aid kit number one, most important. Um, if a beginner gets some country and he's out there on his own, get himself a GPS or an inReach. If he's got no phone service, in case everything goes to shit. Speaking of that, and, um, do you 
do you run iPhone or Android? Uh, iPhone. iPhone. So in the latest update, I've seen that... Um, I, have, I haven't gone through my settings. I've just seen a post about it. But um, iPhone have actually released some GPS setting that if you do get stuck in a, in, in a pickle, that um, you can use the phone through satellites as like um, an emergency beacon. Oh, that's a go. That'd be about time someone did that. Yeah, yeah. I I just seen it. I haven't looked too much into it, so I, it only just reminded reminded me. I seen it a day or two ago, just after they done the new update. So that could be very handy for someone that doesn't have the particular coin to go out and just get a in reach or an emergency beacon. As soon as they can get pretty expensive, can't they? Oh, they can. They can. Um, I'm pricing up an in reach for New Zealand as at the moment just waiting for that a little bit of a price drop to go get one <laughs> yeah what are they worth 600 bucks or something yeah about 550 uh, uh, well, that adds up doesn't it when you put your flights and everything in for the trip to new zealand and that oh, oh it, it sure does it sure does and then just kit you know you got backpack sleeping bag <laughs> tent mm. everything <laughs> So uh, I don't know what the other three things could be. Um, good glass, always have good glass with you, or the best as you can afford. I believe in hunting. If you have a budget, if, you know, like I'd buy the best you can buy. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people get caught up buying the cheap stuff, um, eBay and that, and they progress that quick with the hunting that the gear just doesn't um, deliver for them, or it falls, you know, holds them back a bit. So they buy the best you can. Because it's only going to benefit you and your hunting and serve you well, and um, yeah, that's about it. I reckon, really. Um, yeah, glass, I don't know what else. Glass is a big one, that's for sure. Um, when I first started hunting, you know, I got a cheap sixty, seventy dollar pair of binos from BCF or whatever it was, and you know, looking through them, you'd be like, oh, I think there's an animal there. And you get closer, and it's like, oh, it's just a just a rock or a branch or a shadow or something. Um, but then when you pick up a quality pair of binos and you look through and you're like, oh, there's the shadow of the animal. There's <laughs> You can see all the curves yeah. in the hills and the definition of the leaves and sticks and that in between. That's right. That's what you know. Though. And um, footwear, actually footwear. What, uh, uh, you got a, what boots are you running? Uh, I've got a pair of Keens that I've been running for the last two years. They're not nothing flash. They're... 200 bucks, I think, or 180 bucks. Very nice. And um, I, I did have to break them in. They did blister me up when I first used them. But once they were broken in, um, they were right. Uh, a lot, yeah, like, all comfortable shoes, some decent. At the end of the day, like without, if your feet go to go on you out there in the mountains, that's your only way of getting out. That's yeah. something to really look at. What footwear you're going to take out with you, waterproof, not waterproof. If you get your feet wet, they're going to blister, uh, soften up and that, and this is going to make for a bad day. Yeah, 100%. That's something you brought up very well, like very important there is breaking in your boots before you actually go out. If you get a brand new pair of boots, just wear them everywhere. Go to the shops, wear them. Walk around the block, wear them, just to break them in so you don't have those issues when you first go out for a hunt. There's nothing worse than getting a blister. Yeah, touch wood. I can't. I can't tell you the last time I've had one. Fortunately, I think I've got pretty tough feet. 
Yeah, mine are pretty soft from wearing boots and um, thick socks all my life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as soon as I I get out get get out to my car from work, work boots straight off, socks straight off, and then yeah, barefoot the rest of the time. <laughs> Just letting <laughs> those feet. I go to sleep. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Good clothing's always good. So I got to have good, good protective clothing on if you're going to be battling against the elements and that. Um, or if you're hunting in real cold conditions or hot conditions, you don't want to overheat yourself. Um, I guess water also is one of the big, like a water vessel. So if it's either a um, platypus, um, what do you call it, bladder or now drain bottles or something. Yeah. Just always make sure you got water on you because you can get very. A new hunter album um, happened to me when I first. I really started going out in some pretty remote stuff on my own. Um, when I got my peas, I was I mean, back then. I'd have a pair of binos on an army case on my belt and an old um, canteen bottle, and I was only a liter or so. And I was just so caught up chasing this mob of goats that I just totally forgot about how far I was going, where I was ending up. But like, growing up in the bush, got a pretty good sense of direction and that. But yeah, I nearly busted myself because I was out of water by the time I decided, shit, I've gone too far here. I've got to turn around. And um, yeah, things got pretty pretty western by the time I got back to you. I was dehydrated, my throat was stuffed, tongue was a bit swollen. Yeah, your body so just hurts the next day when you don't have, have enough water when you're out out in tough country, that's for sure. Yeah, you just got to think about that stuff because you just get so caught up in the moment. As a new hunter, like beginner hunter, and you see something and uh, adrenaline kicks in and you, st- you sort of forget about the important stuff. Yeah. Do you carry a bottle or are you a bladder guy? I've got a bladder and um, a Nalgene bottle. Nice, nice. Do you use any of those um, powders that you chuck in your drinks for that little bit of extra energy yeah. while you're out? Yeah, I've uh, got a, I bought a um, pack of that Atlas Wild to regenerate. Yep. There's it, like pretty much power, but it works out at a dollar ninety. The bottle, so it's a lot cheaper than buying a five dollar Powerade, and yeah, it's pretty good stuff too. Awesome! I'll have to get myself some. I've got some of that Hunt Smart. Um, I had a pack of that, and you know, I chuck that in every now and again when it's when it's pretty hot out, and tends to. Oh, ref- that's the peak refill one, is it? What was that? Sorry, is that the peak refill one? The Hunt yeah, Smart? peak refill Hunt Smart. Yeah. yeah, I was using that um, last year when I was up in Queensland hunting red deer in the. Mary Valley up there, I was drinking that every day and that keeps you going. It sure does. It sure does. And tasty too. <laughs> so how much? How many litres are you carrying out with you for, say, a day hunt? Three litres all the time. Three litres? Yep. Yeah. Even oh. it's just going out for an hour, I always have my bladder full, which is the two litre, and my one litre now, Jane, full. Yeah, I, I normally take about five, five-ish if I'm going out all day. I normally take a couple of bottles either side of the pack and then my three-litre bladder as well. So Yeah, no, that's a bloody good idea. If I was going out for the full day, I'd probably do the same thing, I'd say. But I also take a luxury like the Jet Boil out with me. I'll have a coffee while I'm out or I'll have a, um, you know, a cup of hot noodles if it's a cold day. <laughs> Yeah, those jet ball flashes are bloody good. I got one. That's actually what's in my pack right now, and he just put it in there the other day. Very nice. Yeah, I, I got the uh, compan- the companion version of the jet boil. Goes all oh, right. Yeah. So, 
and it's nice um, when you shoot something just I carry a bit of seasoning, a bit of oil, a little fry pan for it, and yeah, cook a little bit of, you know, tenderloin while you're out, or a couple yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. When when you're butchering the animal and you just want to rest, have a quick quick bite. <laughs> That's a good idea, though. So, a bit of a silly one: zombie apocalypse weapon. What are you going? Can it be anything? Anything. Probably the bloody um, AR-15, I'd say. AR-15 with a grenade launcher underneath it. <laughs> Very nice choice. <laughs> 40 round magazines. Yeah, well, I actually don't think I've had an AR suggested on the podcast. A lot of um, like AA-12 shotguns and stuff like that with the with the big drum, drum mag. And <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd go assault rifle, to be honest. It'd be good. I just wish holographic wish we could... red dot on the top of it. Yeah, yeah. I wish we could have them anyway. <laughs> so, what have you forgotten on a hunting trip? Oh, that's all. What have you forgotten on the hunting trip? Release aid. Release. <laughs> Is that a um? You you try and shoot fingers on. Or are you just turn around going home? No, nah, didn't even bother. I stayed and um, yeah, I hunted with the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a that's a good idea. Um, do you carry a spare release aid with you now? I don't carry one with me, but when I go away somewhere and I've got the bow case and that, I've always got two spare releases in it. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, I um because I normally I hunt with my my eighty liter pack. Um, I normally keep a spare one in the bottom of it, so that way I'll always have one with my bow. And then for some off chance I forget that, um, I've, I can dig around the bottom of my backpack and pull one out. Yeah, that's a good idea. That like, normally the hunts I do is like after work, yeah, or right before work. So pretty much all the time, on the back seat of me car, the me Hilux, there's my backpack, the bow, and the release aid. Boots and the camo clothes. I am um, pretty much all year round, so that's why I've got a bad habit of not taking spare stuff with me. But when <laughs> I go away, so I take spare stuff now. Yeah, I um, I usually keep my main release aid over the gear knob of my of my Ute, so that way it's always there. If I've if I've got my car, I've got my bow, I've got my release aid. <laughs> yeah, Sits there perfectly. <laughs> what um, what release are you running? I have the True Ball Assassin. Yep. Yeah, I got three of them because yeah, I just I bought three of them, so I've got plenty of backup just in case. Is that a thumb release or back tension no, or trigger. is it trigger? Yeah. Is that yeah. just the wrist I've strap? Got... Yeah, wrist strap. Yep. Have you tried back back tension or like thumb release or? Yeah, I've got a Carter. Um, it does have a fun thing on it, but that's just a safety. But you, it is a back tension, I believe, and I've been toying with that for a fair bit. How do you find it? The uh, first time I shot a back tension, I, I shot it, scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, as I was pulling, as I was pulling back, she went off because I didn't realise the fun thing was a safety. Ah. Oh. So you got to hold that in when you draw back, and then when you're at anchor, you can let it go when you're ready and then pull through your shot. 
Yeah, no, it, it freaked me out way too much. It put me off of thumb releases and back tensions. So I just stick to my trusty trigger trigger release. Hasn't let me down. <laughs> yeah. Go wrong with the old trigger. And you can't lose it while, while you're out. You know, it's constantly on your hand. Exactly. Uh, just it's so much more convenient. I've seen videos of people with the back tensions and that they put them in their bino harness or something, got her in their pocket. There's just something else you got to do. Like yeah. if you you know if it happens, you know, like presents itself that quickly, you gotta be thinking, Oh shit, where's my bloody release and yeah. it's a lot easier on you. I've I've been with a couple of guys and you know, you've sat down and you get up and you go to move to the next spot and they're reaching around for their for their release in their pocket and they're like, Oh shit, it must have fallen out of my pocket back there. So you have to waste, you know, fifteen, twenty minutes going back to get that before you move forward. <laughs> Uh, I've done that with my trigger too. I'll, I'll admit it. Yeah, I've 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 lost mine a couple of times when I've taken her off while I'm butchering an animal and yeah, skinning it. I sit it on top of like I sat on top of my uh, pack and yeah, just grabbed everything, chucked my pack on, and walked out, and yeah, went to go shoot my bow again a couple of days later, and I'm like, oh shit, where's my release? And yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't hunt that property again for about four, four or five months and went back there, looked at my photos where my bag was sitting, walked up, there it was. A couple of sprays of oh, WD-40 happy. and she was good. That's the guy, that's lucky. <laughs> What's the most important item you take out hunting with you? My first aid kit. First aid kit. Have you um, had to use it in the field? Yeah. Yeah, I've used it a couple of times actually. Yeah. Uh, once on me, and other times on a mate. So, uh, what what type of injury did you have to use it for? Uh, my mate put a um, a pig sticker through the back of his leg. Oh damn! And almost, almost hit his femoral artery. That got a bit a bit worse than that one. Yeah, and, shit. And um, like yeah, big um, blood clotting and the big gauzes and all that sort of stuff to strap him up with. And yeah, I took a tumble years ago and they yeah, pretty much popped my shoulder out just about. But lucky I had me, um, like I fell off a cliff sort of, and they lucky I had me bloody um, their first aid with me and I had the triangle bandage and all that sort of stuff. So I could split myself up and get out of it. Yeah, shit. That's uh, that sounds a bit hectic. So what, what happened with the pig sticker and the leg? Had, had that come about? And... Oh, it was back in the day when we used to um, hunt pigs with dogs. And um, my mate was there and he went, went in to grab the pig and, um, yeah, he just pulled his knife a bit too early. And I'm not sure if he sort of half tripped at the pig and it sort of bluffed the dog and the dog let go and the pig turned on him and he just somehow knocked his hand and he put the double-edged um, pig sticker straight into the back of his leg behind his knee pit. Oh, shit. Ouch. It almost poked out the other side. It went all the way. Fucking hell. So yeah, you, it was it was a full on one. It was lot a lot of blood. You had to stick your finger in the the feel of the artery being hit or not. He nicked it. Oh, so he uh, you pulled the knife out. You didn't leave it in. No, but he pulled it out in reaction. Oh shit! So yeah. I shoved my finger in there, and I'm like feeling around. I can feel the artery. I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. He's bloody nicked it here, or I felt like because the blood just kept coming. Fuck. So yeah, we patched him up pretty bloody well and had his leg elevated in the car and we were milled nowhere. It's probably over an hour drive to a hospital. That's insane. He's getting a bit 
and we're giving him fruit juice to keep the sugars up in him. And um, yeah, no, we got him there. Yeah, well, was the, was the outcome of that? He um, quick recovery or? Yeah, no, it's all good. They did a bit of internal surgery, I think, stitches and that, and um, heaps of stitches on the outside, and that was it. It was all good. That's brutal. It just shows you how quick something can turn. Like the amount of people, and I'm talking to the guys that send it, mate, that don't. <laughs> Hardly any of them carry freaking first aid kits out with them. Um, it's just, yeah, the amount of people I've met that don't carry some type of first aid kit with them is just ridiculous. You know, I've I've used it for a couple of cuts and, you know, nothing to that extreme touch wood, thank God. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, just shows you how quick something can go wrong while you're out. That's right, because I work on my own. I'm the only person here and... Um, like, I have one in the car all the time, and I've got a buggy that I work out of as well, but I have one in. Because um, everything you do when you're on your own, it's a risk assessment. The, you know, you always got to assess everything on what could happen if it all does go pear-shaped. So it's always better to be prepared than not be prepared. Yeah, exactly. So what do you, do you, do you make your own first aid kits, or do you buy pre-made ones? or I buy pre-made ones but i mix and match them together what would be your um best tips to put put in there well definitely a snake bandage that's always number one um what do you call it antiseptic um liquid like to clean out wounds and yep, that yep disinfection the main thing I've, I've even got um an animal spray called cetrogen yep it's a purple spray for like horses, cows, like for cuts and stuff. I actually use that on myself as well. If it's a bad cut to keep infection out, especially if like something happens with a pig or something, the bacteria they have on them. Yeah. And oh. yeah, tourniquets, uh, triangular bandage, those um, silver heat blankets. Yep. Yep. That's that's yeah, something. Definitely I've... one of them. They can save your life, even if you're not hurt. If you're just stuck out there or something, you can always wrap yourself up in them. Um, yeah, just your standard stuff, band-aids and compression bandages and that. Yeah, yeah. That's, I got laughed at that on the last episode of the podcast for carrying one of the um, emergency blankets <laughs> in my first aid kit. The boys no, they're just... good for being even if you got to sleep on the ground and you got a uh, mattress or something, you put that underneath and it was underneath your mattress and that would stop the cool coming up through it as well. Yeah, it was just something that was drilled into me from a young age, like going out shooting with my pop quite a bit and fishing. And, you know, when he gave me my first knife, I had a, he gave me a first aid kit and, you know, it had it had a flint in it. It had an emergency blanket. It had a little foldable saw, you know, just all the old school survival stuff that you need, a mirror. No, for singling. Yeah, yeah, and just gave gave me all of it, you know. Like, if you're going to have a knife and you're going to go out hunting, it pays to have all of this stuff and know how to use it as well, so. Yeah, that's right. I've got to be trained. And I've done a little first aid and senior first aid and stuff, uh, the work stuff as well back in the day. And, yeah, no, like you said, you got to have everything, especially a lighter. Like, I didn't think of that when you said the scene. I've always got a lighter with me as well. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, do you carry some type of, like, fire gel or um the... The little easy no, lights, or no, just a lighter. If it's all wet and stuff, I'll go underneath big logs and stuff and pull out some dry kindling out of that. 
There's some uh, fire lighting liquid that you you get from a company called Samba. Um, you find it in like Woolworths and stuff. Um, I just got that in a little shampoo bottle, and that that stuff goes really, really well. It's a real sticky, flammable gel. Oh yeah, I know stuff. I used it to light a um, charcoal barbecue a while back for a spit. Yeah, yep, yep. That's what I'm. I primarily use it for. But um, one of the survival pages I follow, they recommend carrying a little bottle of that. And yeah, it goes yep. it goes well. Let's go. So, is the uh, pig sticker in the back of the leg the most sketchy, dangerous thing that's happened on a hunt, or you got a story to top that? No, that's probably the sketchiest thing that's happened to a mate. What about yourself on a hunt? Is anything sketchy? So, so when I was a lot younger, like teens, like 17, 18, when I um, slipped up and I was on sort of a in a gorge, gorge country where I was hunting and I, I slipped off, went down and landed on my shoulder and sort of half popped out or came out and went back in or something. And that um, yeah, put me in a pretty bad way. I was down there for a fair while. I think I fractured a few ribs as well, but had my bag on. And um, yeah, so that was because the bag was on. It was within reach and I could get to the first aid kit and get me triangle bandage out and strap my arm up and stuff. And that's probably the scariest I've had. Yeah, brutal. That's that's the thing, hunting some of that steeper, rockier country is just, you know, how loose some of those rocks are when you've you've stepped on it. I've had a couple of close calls. I, um, on one of the earliest episodes, I spoke about riding a goat carcass down the hill almost. <laughs> <laughs> like me and the goat carcass were sliding down this hill and, yeah, I was just about ready to jump on it and ride it down like a toboggan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Bloody hell. laughs> Um, what about the funniest thing that's happened to you out on a hunt? I had a big, big charge at me and go in between my legs a few times. We were playing, um, what do you call it? Leapfrog. <laughs> that's probably one of the funniest ones. He just wouldn't leave me alone until he got sick of it. So is that out and, um, around your area or was that up in the NT? Or? Yeah. No, that was it. Speaking of that Bathurst region, how do you find the uh, chopper culling and stuff out that way? Um, yeah, a lot of the neighbours around here and that take part in it. And being a property manager, I end up getting like hearing about results and all that sort of stuff. Um, I do believe on the pigs and stuff, it is, it is not, it's not too bad. Like it is actually pretty needed when you actually out on the country every single day and you see what they do to it and that. But um, it doesn't really do anything, you know what I mean? Like, they've come through smashing a heap of deer, and then that afternoon you've got deer running around. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think it is as effective as they say it is, but it makes a lot of um, landholders happy that they do it. Do you feel they fudge the numbers a little bit when it comes to it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the same down here, um, especially around where Hainsey has has a lot of his deer access. They um, do a fair few chopper cows, and they seem to do it right as the rut's kicking off. And um, yeah. you, every year you get reports. Even uh, Cody up your ways said that um, he's had issues with choppers shooting on his land when they haven't given permission and chasing. Yeah, they don't like it. They know to them. Yeah, yeah, I I can imagine. They do not like it at all. I've had a lot of arguments with them, but anyway. Nah, it's not it's, yeah. 
it's, uh, in my opinion, it's such a waste of a uh, of a valuable resource. I understand why they need culling, but yeah, it's in in yeah, my the pig, so much I don't care about, but I don't like the idea of a deer. Yeah, it's I hate that. I freaking hate it. How do you like being a property manager? How do you find the uh, damage that deer do? Um, miminal. So like you, deer aren't just, just a grazing creature. They're yeah. a browser. Like they're, you know, leaves and stuff and off trees. And like if it gets crazy and you're on a small amount of area and you've got hundreds of them, then they have an impact on the ground. But um, if you hunt them regularly and that and keep them in check, well, they, they don't get out of hand. How do you uh, find them on fences? Because you'd be doing a lot of fence repair and stuff. Do you find that the deer do yeah, a bit of damage? They, they go over. They go over mainly, and um, the main thing you'll find is young deer dead in fences. Yep. Getting the uh, back leg caught up, and um, yeah, but a lot of places around here, because um, it's mainly sheep country, there's just the hinge joint. There's no top wire. Yep. So they hop over as they please, really. Like they're not damaging it really. Um, Natives do a lot more damage than deer do. Yeah, I was about to say, do you reckon kangaroos do more damage than the deer in fences yep. and stuff? Yep. Yep, and bloody wombats. Yeah, wow, wombats. Is that just pushing through they underneath or? They just level the countryside and cause erosions and all the rest of it. But uh, wombats and roos cause the most damage out here. What about to look, during the rut and stuff, all the rubbing of the trees? Do you find that the uh, deer kill many of the trees, or you find that it's not really around these areas? The young suckers they're rubbing on, um, we spray them as, okay. as a uh, similar to an invasive uh, woody weed. Yep, yep. So we spray them anyway. Yeah, cool. It's a it's an interesting topic. You know, you you spit like one of my past guests. He's a um, he was a studying biologist at the time, but now he's a fully qualified biologist. And him and I go back and forth about, you know, whether deer should be kept on the land or not be kept on the land because of, um, like, ecological reasons. And, you know, he thinks they should be all removed. And then, you know, there's me who's absolutely adores deer. Like, I could never, never picture not hunting them and being around them just because I love them so much. And just having that battle, <laughs> so it's yeah, it's refreshing. No, I, I feel exactly how you feel, mate. Um, there's like they did a recent chopper shoot here about a month ago, and they were out for a week, and they said they got seventy-seven deer. And um, out here, the amount of deer that I've seen, sometimes they won't even put a dent in one mob, pretty much. That's insane. So like on property, probably wouldn't even really put a dent in them, but um. That's that 77 carcasses rotting away in the paddock, isn't it? It is, it is. Do you get wild dogs up that way or? Thank God, no. There is, there has been a couple. Um, one's probably 20-something k's away, but it was shot straight away. The farmer who, who saw it had his rifle with him and took him out straight away. I had one scare at home with um, dog tracks, but I believe it was a poacher with pig dogs. Yeah. Because um, yeah, I did a lot of tracking, a lot of tracking, and yeah, it ended up leading to a vehicle track, so I'm pretty sure it was a poacher with big dogs. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, yeah, that's a shame. Be lucky they are. They're probably here. They're just not out and about yet. 
do you uh, feel that like tropicals in dense dense areas where the dog populations are higher are causing the dog populations to boom because of the amount of abundance of food after they do a cull? I'd say it will help them out a lot. Yes. Because it will stop the dog from hunting but and killing livestock But because any predator would rather scavenge and hunt. Yeah, 100%. Uh, especially the... Oh, you cut out for a little bit there. What was that? Sorry. Um, with the litters of pups, um, when with the chopper sheds and that, it, it will probably ensure the survival of every pup because there'll be plenty of feed for mum for the milking. Yeah, that's true. And um, yeah, uh, it it will distract them from taking down livestock for a little bit, but once they clean up what they've shot, they'll just be straight back in the livestock anyway. But it will help with their breeding, I think, put them in better condition. What about pig numbers? Do you find that the pigs tend to scavenge on the carcasses up that way or there's enough green pick to keep them happy? Uh, in in the summertime, they do. They really get stuck into um, dead animals. Yep. In the wintertime, not so much, but in summer, definitely, they go straight to the carcasses. Do you think that, that boosts pig numbers after they did the tropicals or...? Um, I know it stirs them up because they did a chopper shoot around here and I'd never had pigs really like prevalent on the place and then after they left, the whole entire place got ploughed up. Yeah, wow. And I was seeing, I was seeing pigs every day. I'm kind of envious. Um, it's something we don't really have down here as pigs. So <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's something but I haven't, haven't shot you in really Australia want- yet. <laughs> Yeah, Haynes, he wants to come out and kill a few pigs. Hopefully I can get him out soon. Yeah, he's lucky. He's, he's, he's one of the rare people that have shot a um, a decent-sized feral South Australian pig. So. <laughs> there's, not- there's, there's not heaps down this way. There's a few on Kangaroo Island, but the few trips I've done over there, I haven't been able to find anything. And then... One pops up in the Flinders Ranges every now and again, coming down from Broken Hill during the droughts. Yeah. So, what about top five dream animals? Anywhere in the world, budget, not worrying about that, what would be your top five dream animals? Well, number one would have to be a mule deer. Um, number two would be an elk. Uh, three would be Cape Buffalo. Very nice. Um, four would be a bloody good Samba. Yep. And I'll go five with a rooster. With a rooster, nice. Very nice. So the mule deer, do you have a particular state that you'd want to do? or Probably Montana. Montana, very nice. Yeah, or Colorado. Very nice, very nice. Two, two beautiful states. So would you want to do like a full... Backpack public land hunt or private land or uh, backpack public. Very nice hiking in or the whole horse horse in base camp. Yeah, probably the horse today. I yeah, grew up doing a lot of horse riding, so yeah, no, that'd be good to get back on one. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting. I I don't I 
I don't trust horses too much. I'm I'm more of a motorbike person. Motorbike can't fuck you off. We go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except if you uh, pull that throttle a bit too hard. Off when they kick you off. So, why's why's mule deer number one? What's what's attractive about mule deer? I don't know. It's something about them. I just the big four by four mule deer just really does it for me more than an elk does. I don't know why. That's pretty mad to say, but I just love mule deer. Look, I, I, I can see why. Um, watching some of those hunts, especially when they're hunting that like bluffy, um, hilly country where you have all the shady cliff areas and, you know, you get those guys that, you know, they're standing above the cliff and they're, you know, 15 metres above them and they're shooting straight down onto a bedded, bedded mule deer buck. That's uh, pretty gnarly. Yeah, that's a big part of it, the type of country they live in too. Like high country mule deer would be a dream hunt. Yeah, it would be it would it would be insane. There's yeah, some amazing videos every year that get get posted of some guys shooting them with a bow bow on top of on top of them. It's Remy posted a wicked one, Remy Warren, um a month or so back, sneaking up on it and you know, he was saying, you know, you're like five meters from the animal and you're just waiting for him to get into that position. <laughs> that's a bloody good a good feeling, wouldn't it? It would be. So, Samba, um, have you gone down to Vic chasing them yet? No, I've never, ever seen one. Um, I've never hunted them. And uh, my new obsession. Awesome. So would you go to uh, Vic to chase them or hit some of those pockets in New South? I'd love to go to public land in Victoria and um, spend a week out there backpacking. Very nice. That'd be that's um that's my next goal actually that's the next thing on the list I, I really really want to get into Samba. Perfect. So what what time of year you you're looking at going doing that? Probably closer to September next year. Yep. Very nice. Got a few blokes on Instagram. I put up a post one day about it, and um, it's amazing the amount of people that reached out about it, um, offering spots and all that sort of stuff, and helping us out. And um, yeah, so. I was told around, you know, at September time, just beforehand, is the best time to go for them. Yeah, I think that's when majority of the um, the deer are hard antler and rutting. But yeah. they're, they're one of those funny species where you can have, you know, a freshly shed shed stag and a fully hard stag at the same time. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'd love to get one of them down with the bow, that's for sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely... I've, I've shot one on uh, private land under spotlight um, when we're culling, culling for a farmer. But, yeah, yeah, they're a, they're a cool animal. And wait till you get honked. That's just a insane, <laughs> insane thing. Like, there's I've no... Heard, I've watched that videos on them, and I'm listening to them and stuff. It'd be pretty cool to actually experience it. Video, listening to it on video has no, like, nothing on it in real life. It cuts no. through you. Like, you feel it deep in your bones. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I want to feel. Yeah, that, the only... The only other deer species I've hunted that comes close to that is seeker in New Zealand. Um, you know they're half, they're less than half the size, and so they're just so much harder to hunt. Mm. <clears throat> they're pretty cool looking deer too, the old seeker. Oh, it's the sounds that they make, especially when they're they're um, eoring and stuff and roaring, is just incredible. There's no 
like red and fallow make some cool sounds and I haven't heard elk in person yet, but yeah, seeker roaring in person. There's just, there's no sound I've heard that's better. I've never heard of a bad sounding deer. (laughs) (laughs) So let's have a chat about a couple of couple of uh, your hunts on the past year. NT, how'd that, that come about? No, that was a long-life dream of um, taking a water buffalo. And um, they're just – I've got um young family, four kids, under 12 years old, and um, they're finally old enough now that, you know, I could sort of leave home and um, leave the missus in charge and things are pretty good. So I thought, why not now than never? It's, yeah, it's, a, it's an expensive hunt. It's not something you'd want to do every year. Exactly, yeah. It's it's pretty pricey. So I, just, I just thought it was the right time to get it done now while I can and position and in the, in the position to do it. And, um, yeah, got out there and went my hardest and, yeah, accomplished everything I wanted to do up there. And you self-filmed most of that. I've watched watched a couple of the, video, the videos on it. Yeah, a lot of the self filmed. Um, Harry Stanton did um, a bit of filming as well over the shoulder with my big camera. Yep, very nice. What's, Har- what's Harry's? The- um, I've, I forgot Harry's guiding surface. Uh, True Wild, True Wild Outfitters. True Wild Outfitters. That's right, and that's the same one that Aaron Whitaker went to as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. There's there's Dirty great things. Yeah, um, I, Ivan and Kimmy went out there too. I'm pretty sure. He seems to have yeah, a, no, it's um awesome spot. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to have to get up there one day. Um, how how'd you go with the just with the adrenaline rush stalking in an animal that size? Addictive. It's very very addicting. So, what type of um yardages were you you shooting them from? Uh, I shot. The cow and the bull both at thirty. Yeah. Um, we did. I did shoot another meat animal, a, a fairly young bull, and probably shot it at about five meters. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I was up. We had buffalo within five meters of us quite a few times, and that was in um, like some sort of semi-dense bush. We had buffalo. Yeah, like we were in there calling, looking for bulls, but there's only sort of younger bulls and cows and calves in there. But they were just coming straight in and walking all around you. That was just an insane feeling because, like, the power of them, if they wanted to have a go at you. Yeah, I could imagine. We did have, yeah, we did have one bull um, come at us, which was pretty crazy. Um, it was after I killed the cow. And um, we were there cutting the cow up and um, – yeah, Harry's just like jumped over the cow and I'm like, oh shit, he's stepped on a snake or something. And I looked <laughs> up and there's the bull right there, head down, coming. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we managed to shoo him away. He ended up leaving us. But it was just, it was pretty thick stuff too. Heap of leaf litter, but did not make a sound coming in. Yeah. yeah. It was a big old busted up bull too. Yeah, I've heard they're, for the size of them, they're pretty quiet in that, that country. Oh, they are, and they can travel too. Shit, they can travel. So what type of um, distances were you hunting during the day? Like, were you doing a lot, driving around to different water holes, or were you just on on your feet all day when you're out chasing them? 
a bit of both as uh, driving out to certain spots because it's such a big area and over to five days of hunting, he sort of wants to take you to every area. And he knows holds holds good buff in that. And um, as they do do a lot of miles in the car, but then you pull up and go and walk a lot of miles as well. We were probably doing 20K a day. How'd you go with the humidity yeah. up there? Yeah, no, good. It was nice and dry then. It was um, June, so there's bugger all humidity. There's no insects. Yep, perfect. Is that a uh, time of year that's recommended on going? Or? Yeah, June. June's a very good time up in the Territory, from what I've been told. So that's why I booked the time for then. Yep, perfect. And it worked out well for you. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect, mate. It's still hot enough you could lay down in the creek or the river and have a nice cool down. Speaking of the, the creeks and that, did you uh, do much fishing while you are up there? No, nah, there's no fish on – there's really – there's not no barramundi or decent fish on the place I was on because yeah. there's a waterfall at one end, okay. one boundary that feeds it apparently, and that sort of stuffs the fish up. Okay. There's yeah. only a few little freshwater crops in there. Oh, that's all right. They're, they're not so dangerous. <laughs> I still wouldn't want to get a nip by one, but – no, you wouldn't want one to nip you, but yeah, there's sort of a fair few of them about, but nothing of size. Yeah, cool. So you you seen a few then? And um, the whole time we were there, saw that one pig, and I managed to arrow him, and get him down. But that was that was um bloody good. Yeah, it'd be it'd be tough work finding pigs out in that that type of country. Yeah, um, in the because the place. Like sort of one half is sort of um, what you call open, and um, the other side's um, sort of got a few fences here and there in the um, cattle country. Yeah. And um, yeah, in the cattle country, that's where the majority of the pigs are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we were bloody lucky to come across that boar, and um, even more lucky to put an arrow in him and put him down. Perfect. What about scrubbers? Did you see any scrub balls up there? Yeah, bloody fair few scrubbers, probably sort of a dozen. Um, never really got a stalk on one. I wanted a scrubber. I was pretty keen to have a crack at a scrub ball, but the way it worked out with getting the water buffalo done, sort of time was a bit tight. Yeah, yeah, could imagine. They're, they're big animals by the time you have to cape them out and chop them up. Oh, yeah, and the scrubbers are a lot more um, flighty than the buffalo are. Yeah, yeah, a bit more dangerous too, I've heard. Yeah, apparently they like to have a good crack. Yeah, I never got to experience that, but um, one day I'd like to get a scrub ball. Yep, yeah, they're, they're on the list. Is your um dream to just slowly tick off everything in Australia? No, nah, just tick off good stuff. Well, just what I want. Like yep. I know there's a green slam and all that sort of stuff and this and that, but not, yeah, I'm happy poking along doing what I'm doing. What's uh, high on your list and then what's low on your list? So the highest is Amber. Yeah. And um, the lowest, I don't know, like, what, if if I had to go and do something, probably Chittle, that'd be pretty low on the list. Yeah, wow. That's that's usually pretty high on people's list, especially because they're a pretty, pretty really good eating deer. They're, um, from my understanding, they're probably the second best eating deer in we have in Australia. Yeah, it's it. Oh, God. oh, don't get me wrong. I love that one, but it's not <laughs> like I'm not going to go in and book a trip yeah. straight away to try and get one and find the access for it. I, if I was going to go book another trip, it'd probably be up to Coburg for a Bantang. Yep. Yep. Oh, that's, dude, they're that, a cool that's a lot of money. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're a cool animal. They're they're something that not many people get to hunt. There seems to be more people hunting them these days. That you know that guided access is being a bit more um, accessible. But yeah, they're they're a pretty yes. pricey animal. Yeah, like if I was going to pay for another hunt, I'd I'd probably rather put the money into Bantang or for best bang for your buck, I'd probably go over to Africa. Yeah, yeah, you get a few a few animals over there for the price. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, Aaron yeah. Whitaker, best bang buck over there. Aaron Whitaker went over there oh, a couple of years back, and he he did all right. <laughs> yeah, you get like five animals of. Pretty much five thousand bucks. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, Craig Merton's the the guy to go speak to. Um, yeah, Cruiser Safaris. Yeah, Cruiser Safaris. That's it. That's it. The yeah. the name was escaping me. Hopefully, Craig's going to be a future guest, so we'll be able to break down. Yeah. Top bloke. I've had a couple of long phone conversations with him. Oh, he's is is a very 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 nice guy. Um. Oh, I first met him when I was working at BCF. I knew about him, and then he came through and yeah, just got chatting. I think we chatted in store for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so, what's your favourite thing to cook with um, hunted game meat? Um, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not too biased on cuts. Um, like, don't get me wrong. Everyone loves a um, backstrap. Yep. But I love leg steaks as much as I love backstrap. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. The backstraps are good, but they seem to be a very um, overrated rated cut. Um, some of those steaks you pull off of the hind quarter can be pretty damn good. Oh, especially if you pulled around out and then staked that up. That's, yep. just, that's just as tender as far as I'm concerned. Like, I'll do a whole back leg into steaks. Yeah, yeah. I've d- I've been there, done that at a fallow a few times. They just have that bone in the middle and you get to suck the marrow out afterwards. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I So I haven't actually cut them up on the on the leg with the bone, bone in, but cut them into all their cuts and then section them into steaks and small roasts and stuff. No, it... And yeah, it it goes goes well. So and uh, all of it's good to me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy the amount of people that actually don't like venison. Uh, there must be something wrong with them, or they're not doing it right. <laughs> so, do you have a go-to recipe? What are you just doing steaks? Um, when I just I generally just steak it all up, and um, I do mince front legs. Yep. They get minced up and they just get used for um, like bolognese and, um, you know, when you do the Mexican tacos, whatever. Yep. Um, everything else, just steaks, is normally cooked with olive oil and just salt and pepper on a cast iron. Yep. Beautiful. And a um, mate of mine put me on this barbecue seasoning, blue smoke, a rib rub or something, put that on it. That's bloody really nice as well. Yeah, sweet. I, I love a good spice mix on venison. Um, yeah, it's good. With your mince, are you adding any pork into it or are you just going straight venison mince? Nah, just straight. Yeah, perfect. That's 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 how I do it. I, I've only seen recently that a bunch of people um, mix it with pork fat. I'm like, oh, yeah, just, for sausages I can understand, like- but I reckon it would ruin the, ruin the flavour. <laughs> it sort of disguises it a bit, I think. But, um, like, normally, yeah, 
you shoot like the young ones that I, I shoot at a fair few young deer. Yep. And um, they got good fat coverage on them, and that fat gets minced, minced uh, through with them. Yep. And yep. that makes them like, and I also just get it and whack a bit of onion and mustard, a bit of um, seasoning on it, and squish them up in the burgers yeah. as well. Yep. Yep. Burgers. In the bur- burgers go nice, that's for sure. And yeah, a bit of jerky with a lot of the off cuts, so I'll cut them up for jerky. How do you do your jerky? Do you have a dehydrator or are you using the oven? Yeah, I've got a dehydrator and um, get this mountain meat or mountain seasoning or something. Um, it's got the cure in it as well. Yep. So I just do it like that and you let it cure and marinate for 24 hours in the fridge and then it sits in the hydrator for about seven, eight hours. Perfect. And you've got yourself a nice big bag of um, jerky. Yeah, I, I love love jerky. The effort that goes into it and how much you get out of it, it's just just difficult. Like you'll spend <laughs> two days making 30. making 500 <laughs> grams of jerky and it's gone in, in a day. <laughs> right. It takes 31 hours, 32 hours to do it. <laughs> and that's eaten as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's eaten. 15 minutes. <laughs> so, how do you see the public views on hunting and hunters? Um, it's getting a, a lot worse from what I can see on socials and that. Um, they're coming at us from all directions. Um, a lot of people aren't being bored up hunting anymore. Yep. Um, it's, it really saddens me, a lot of the kids and like even 20-year-olds now, they just they think meat comes in a black tray with a bit of um, shrink wrap over the top of it. And like I've got cousins that, that didn't even know where the hell things come from. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is pretty ordinary. Yeah, that's, and, um, that's insane. I don't think people want people to be able to look after themselves and be self-sufficient anymore, to be honest. I know the government doesn't seem to want things that way. Yeah, it seems to be more and more of a push towards government reliance and self-sufficiency, that's for sure. Yeah, like, yeah it's, if we all just um, band together, like bow hunter, dogger, rifle hunter, whatever, just all of us stick together and stop this stupid petty arguing on Facebook comments and yeah. Instagram comments. Because that's just... Yeah, fuel for the fire. Like, oh, look, they can't even get along with themselves, let alone society. Yeah, that's the thing. You can have you can have like in-house banter, but when it comes to the end of the day, you have to have each other's each other's back yeah. for every um, discipline of hunting. Because yeah, you once... can't be publicly attacking each other on a social media, Fred. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there's there's like, shit talk, and then there's then there's attacking. You yeah. know, um, like you said. Oh, I'm someone shoots something in velvet. Everyone goes off at him. Oh, you should have let it grow, buddy. Oh, he made the cho- he legally did what he did. He made the choice. Who cares? Yeah, some of some of that stuff grinds my gears. Oh, that would have been good in a couple of years, or you know, why'd you shoot yeah. that? Why'd you shoot a doe? Why'd you shoot something in velvet? Hey, like, who cares? That's what he wanted to do, and he did it legally. Yeah. It's up to him. It does pain me to see see bucks shot in, <laughs> in velvet. But you know, there's a reason we do it, and that's because they're they're an introduced species, and we're trying to drop numbers down. He's doing it to eat it. Well, I'll take my hat off to him because a lot of people shoot him and get the picture, but they don't eat him. But 
anyway. Yeah, that grinds my gears more than I think. But hey, it's it's legal to do so in Australia. We don't have yeah. any of those wanton waste you laws. You can't go off about it because it's if it's done legally and that's what they want to do, that's up to them. Exactly. So you mentioned there that kids don't get brought up in hunting and earlier you said that you have four of your own. So do you yep. get your kids involved? Yep. Um, Finn, my second youngest, he took his first kill and he did it with a bow at seven years of age. That's amazing. You sent through the photos straight away. I was I was yeah. absolutely <laughs> stoked right. for you. you were going through <laughs> No, that was um. Yeah, I've they've come, you know. We've I've had mates out here and um with their rifles and stuff, and we've gone out spotlighting at night, knocked over deer, and they eat it all as well. Yeah. If I cook deer, I really got to cook a lot extra because they would just wipe it off my plate from me. <laughs> yeah, my eight-year-old's not too interested in eating venison, but my uh, yeah two and a half-year-old, he he loves it. Um. But he's, you know, whenever we cook meat at night, he's, what animal is this? What animal is this? <laughs> he's asking that he wants to know. That's one of the best things. A lot of that's being like people aren't asking anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, we'll, we'll have lamb chops and he'll be like, oh, what animal is this? And I'll be like, that's a sheep. Or, you know, we drove past yeah, a... Some pa- form of connection with what he's eating. Yeah, exactly. You know, his and he's he's always had that. You know, he was three days old, and I was butchering deer on the on the kitchen bench with him strapped to my chest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy. So yeah, he's 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 had no choice. That's <laughs> nah, good for him. So, how would you change the public views on hunting and hunters? That's a hard one. They just the only way they can actually see it and take it all in is for them to actually go out and do it. I'd happily take take them along with me on a hunt and show them how it all works and what happens afterwards and like the shooting bit. That's that's just not really much to do with the whole hunt hunt at all. That's the quickest part. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I believe everyone should go out and do something before they judge it. Yeah, so do I. Um, it's it's a hard one. It's a hard one though, because the people that don't want you to hunt animals, they wouldn't just come out hunting with you because you know they're looking at it like it's murder. You you'd definitely yeah, be able to get the people sitting on the fence. That's for sure. But yeah, these hardcore animal rights extremists and you know all the shit that we're going through here in SA with this proposed bow hunting ban. Um, from what I can see, yeah. it's, it's it's not looking good. RSPCA are gunning gunning pretty hard on it. Yeah, that's one thing we can do: get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of They're hypocrites. No, good for anything. no, no, that no, they are not. <laughs> There's that video and all photos that circulated a few years ago back in the drought. They had all this old mate's cattle. In these cattle yards, and then in the background of the photo, there's just hay shed after hay shed full of hay that this farmer bought. Yeah. And the RSP officers shot every one of his cows in them yards and left them there and told him, good luck, see you later. Yeah, I kind of kind of remember that one. Yeah, it's they're pretty brutal. Oh, mate, he spent all the money looking after his stock, yet they decided not, and they shot every one of them in the head. Yeah, it's, it's hard when you've got, you know, people like that who have somewhat of authority over 
over stuff and then they they've got a certain certain way they look at look at the world so like you're saying um extremists you can't tell them anything no no you cannot it's impossible it's like talking to a brick wall like i got attacked massively on facebook one time um one of my kids ate me five or something and there's just a photo just saying oh young fella enjoying his venison stroganoff yeah wow and it, it just kicked off with all these extremists with different color dyed hair and bull rings hanging out of their nose and stuff and buddy like the language they were using about like and what they were calling my five-year-old was absolutely out of his world i could not believe it i had to put all my facebook and everything on full private and hide everything from public and only a few people that's why i hardly ever use facebook at all yeah yeah no that's understandable i've had that global hate campaign when it comes to anti-hunters with the whole cat saga so i know exactly what that's like (laughs) 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 what was that sorry mate I said you've been in the wars a couple of times. Couple times, couple times, but hey, I, I it's I put myself out there, and you know I only try and do do good for hunting and spread try and spread positive messages for it, and you know it's something I'm I'm very passionate about, and you know if people are against it, I want to let them at least hear my side and why I mm-hmm. love it, and you know what it what it's done for me and people I know and how it puts food in my freezer. <laughs> Right, we need more like you, mate. Uh, there, there seems to be a lot more like it. So, thank, thankfully, with things like podcasts, it seems to be yeah ever growing. There seems to be a bigger community just growing and growing. That's it. That's no, good. We have all the um, platforms that we have to, you know, show our world and explain it and stuff. It it's good. It can be it can be used for great, and it could u- be used for evil too. Unfortunately. But, yeah, that's right. There's always people with good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what is hunting to you? Oh, it's just it's in in the blood. Uh, it's just part of who I am. To be, to be honest, um, yeah, it's my way of providing. Um, I feel like as a man in the family, I should be a provider, and the satisfaction that I get out of being able to do that myself, walk out into the scrub with a bow and an arrow and bring home meat and, um, you know, provide us the same with family. And I know it's just something that we've always done. If without it, no one would be here. Exactly. It, yeah, it's... it's, it's, it's a... in me. And um, I've, I don't push it on my kids at all. They, um, they're near as hardcore as I am. They're really starting to get into it. And, um, yeah, it's just something that I... I just feel like it's it's right when I'm doing it. That's great to like hear. It's, it's not I have to do, but it feels like something I have to do, but it, it just feels right. It's not forced. It's not, um, you know, oh, I better go out and go for a hunt. It's just I want to. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard one to explain that feeling, like you just want to go out. It's not that you want to leave your friends or family behind. It's that you just... It, yeah, it just feels natural being out. Yeah, hey, and it's like if you don't get anything, is it? At least you're out there doing something. You're not sitting on your ass, just you know, wasting an afternoon or a weekend, whatever. At least you can go out there and you're in amongst it, like in nature, sort of thing. Like, 
Yeah, you watch the sunrise, you hear the birds kick off one by one, you know, one species starts off first and then a couple minutes later another species kicks off and, you know, the Australian bush at first light is just an incredible thing. That's just what I was about to say next is the amount of things you see because of hunting that there's so many people could only imagine or see on a screen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you I'll... really see out-of-this-world things. I've had a wedge-tailed eagle land on a branch above me when I was rattling and he just sat there for the whole time I was rattling. He's only five foot above my head, just <laughs> looking down the whole time. Like, that was insane. I was, I was out hunting, speaking of wedge tails, I was out hunting with one of my mates and he was putting in a stalk on a goat and I'm just sitting down there watching him, watching him. And then next minute I hear this massive thwack and he jumps up, the goats jump off, they all run off. And, you know, it was a rainyish day. I thought he'd taken a shot and I thought the uh, string caught his jacket and I thought that's what the whack was. And um, I walked up and I'm like, what happened? And he's like, what the fuck did you throw that at me for? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and what had happened is a wedgie had been circling over above and it had a lamb and it's dropped this lamb from 100 foot up, maybe higher, and it's landed okay. two feet away from him at his feet but it's just made this hell of a freaking thwack, you know. Two two feet more, it would have landed on his head. And, yeah, oh, scared, yeah. scared the shit out of him. He thought I was throwing shit at him. And <laughs> <laughs> Trying to ruin his hand on him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, he was he was getting in on those goats, and, yeah, this wedgie's just ruined his hunt by dropping a lamb on him. <laughs> I've seen him do it to goats, swoop down and pick up all the kids' goats. Looks like they're having fun, and they go straight up as high as they can and just let them go. Yeah, yeah. This this lamb had, you know, it, it's eaten all its head, and yeah, it just must have slipped out of its claw or something and dropped it on him. <laughs> they are an amazing bird, but oh, they are. They're a huge, huge bird. Like you don't you don't appreciate them until you get right up close to them and just see that that wing spread. You know, you get the oh, it's you top get, of a really high mountain or whatever hill that's pretty steep, and they take off from the top, and they're at like your eye level. Oh, there's that, and then just laying back and watching them sweep through the currents in the air. They're just hovering, just cruising. Like if if I could be any animal in the world, it'd probably be a, some type of eagle. Hey, I wouldn't mind being one of them too because they're protected. No one could come after me then. <laughs> uh, well, where can people find you on social media? What's your where can they go watch your videos on your YouTube channel and um, the YouTube channel, uh, the name is The Aussie Bowhunter. Um, the, what's Instagram? Um, it's at all case Brett Meldrum 085. Yep. That's pretty much it. So, yeah, if you're, you're listening and you're not following Brett, head over to his Insta, give him a follow, head over to his uh, YouTube and subscribe, watch his, watch his videos. He um, has some amazing, amazing videos on there. Um, but yeah, amazing. Got a lot more coming. That's what I like to hear. I can't wait to kick back on on the couch and Chromecast it to the TV and watch it with the boys. So <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you're watching. Yes, yes, mate. I, I I wouldn't miss it. As soon as they're up, there's there's two main people I I watch when when their videos come up, and that's you and Aaron Whitaker. That's awesome. Thank you. Nah, all good. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, uh, thanks for having me, mate. Um, yeah, great talk. Yeah, likewise. Thank you very much.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Hunting Connection Podcast. Please head over to our social media and give us a follow. Instagram at Hunting Connection Podcast, Facebook at Hunting Connection Podcast, Twitter at Hunting Connect, TikTok at Hunting Connection Podcast. If you've enjoyed, please share with your friends and family, tag us in your photos and videos on social media, subscribe, rate and review to help grow the podcast. If you're interested in giving additional support to the podcast, you can head over to our podcast Patreon page. Thank you very much for listening and catch you next episode.